You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition and their new Centerfire Rifle Ammunition Terminal Ascent. Now, the Terminal Ascent has a slipstream polymer tip that helps flatten trajectories and initiates low-velocity expansion at longer ranges. The Terminal Ascent gives you match-grade long-range accuracy in a bonded hunting bullet and it comes in a variety of cartridges including the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 28 Nosler, the 7mm Remington Mag 30-06 and the 300 Win Mag. If you want to find more information about the Terminal Ascent, visit federalpremium.com and while you're there, check out It's Federal Season, the official podcast of Federal Ammunition. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Shoot up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. This is the pre-roll audio take two. I had this all recorded for you and ready to roll out. And then we had some uh, late breaking news in the hound world. So a couple updates for you real quick. Montana House Bill 468 passed the house, passed out of the house. So for uh, bear hunting, with hounds for a spring season and a summer training season for hounds. That's huge news for houndsmen. And uh, wanted you to be aware of that. The other thing that you need to be aware of is the upcoming hearing in Nevada with the uh, Fish and Wildlife Commission out there. There has been a petition filed to stop the uh, use of hounds to hunt black bears in the state of Nevada. So you can go to Nevada's Fish and Wildlife page and uh, put your comments in there. You can follow Nevada Sporting Dog Alliance uh, on Facebook or look up their website. 
That's Nevada Sporting Dog Alliance. And see how you can get involved in that fight. Both of these are huge issues for houndsmen all across the United States. If we're going to be unified, we need to start paying attention to what's going on in these other states. The anti-hunting crowd, in the case of Nevada for sure, uh, will pick and choose where they try to introduce these sort of things. And then they'll use what they learn there to bring that fight and that strategy to your state. So don't think that just because it's happening in Nevada that it does not affect the houndsmen in Virginia or Maine or wherever that may be. Always remember, the anti-hunting crowd is very strategic and they're very deliberate in their planning and they look for opportunities. And then every time that they either win or they lose, they use that strategy or they they actually uh, take a look at that strategy and dissect it to see what was successful and what wasn't so we've had a good year for hunters so far believe it or not we won in california keeping bear hunting out there western bear uh, foundation um, was in that fight the sportsman's alliance was in that fight several hunting organizations were in that fight Make sure you go to Nevada Sporting Dog Alliance and see how you can contribute and help fellow houndsmen from losing their freedoms. This is a great episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. We've got a very big announcement for you. I I just got back from a road trip throughout um, Louisiana, Mississippi, uh, and hunting in Texas. And you're going to enjoy this right along recorded episode with Shorty Gorham. Second time on the podcast, and you're going to hear a big announcement about that. So, guys, I also want to give you a real quick shout-out for every one of our Patreon supporters. And I just want to give you an update on Patreon, just so everybody understands this. When you sign up on Patreon, you have to ensure that you enter your information. Your first name, your last name, an email address, and an, a mailing address. And you can find out how to join us on Patreon and support this show for as little as $1 a month on our website at houndsmanxp.com. But I want to give you guys an insight. I get message about where are my benefits. You're going to get one of our tumblers. You're going to get some decals. You're going to get discount codes. You're going to get all kinds of stuff. Uh, Discount codes for for Dogs Are Treed, for Stickbow Outdoors, uh, for Dakota 283, and and other, other discount codes there as well. But we have to have your information. So if you join us on Patreon, which we appreciate every one of you, make sure that your information is complete. Once that information is put in there, it takes two months after Patreon processes all of your information. And and then we send that out. We get notified that your account is in good standing, all the legalese, and then we get the green light where we can send that out. So if you To give you an example, if you joined in January, I'm just now getting your orders together. So it's a two-month delay. So that should answer that. But, hey, we really do appreciate every one of you. That's a great community of houndsmen, tailgate talks, all kinds of bonus material over there, discount codes for for some premium outdoor companies to keep you in the woods, keep your, your hound hunting on the fast track. 
keep those dogs on the ground, all good stuff. We appreciate all of our Patreon supporters. Guys, without any further delay, let's get into this episode. Shorty and I had a great time. We talked about a lot of stuff. It is time to dump the box. Seven's a good number. Yep. Yeah, it looks like there. We don't have we don't have time to sit around and look at dogs on that GPS shorty. We're trying to trying to run a podcast here. Yeah, don't let don't let the hunting get in your way. Yeah. We've got to be insta famous, take a lot of pictures, do a lot of videos, and then if we get time to hunt after that, then Right. But we got to keep the public image up. That's right. Public first. Yep. We got a big announcement for Houndsman XP, and especially for our listeners. Shorty Gorm is now a member of the Houndsman XP team. Welcome aboard, Shorty. Man, it's good to be here, Chris. Got to be on the be on the podcast a time before, and and enjoyed it. It's something I've always, well, not always, but since podcasts have become kind of the thing, thought about doing, but didn't really. Uh, didn't really have the desire to try to do it all by myself, and and uh, when you and I discussed the possibility of coming on board, I jumped at the opportunity. So glad to be here. Well, how's how? Okay, so you were on the podcast before. So how has being on that first podcast changed your life? I, I noticed that in your recent Instagram photos that Ridge has clothes on now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I you know things just got so much better after the podcast financially for me. You know, just uh <laughs> things just started coming my way and I could actually afford diapers and and clothes for my little 2-year-old so uh, yeah. yeah no it was it was absolutely life changing I recommend it to everybody yeah and and I mean you had a couple Instagram followers before the podcast and now you're up to I mean you are insta famous you you got like are you up to half a million yet <laughs> not quite yeah no <laughs> Nope, I'm about a half a million short. <laughs> well, Shorty, we're out here with these these uh, bobcat hounds at four in the morning, and trying to trying to bush an early morning cat. Yeah, you know it's uh, South Texas gets gets warm, so we usually start well either either you know start in the evening time and hunt through the night or or start pretty early in the mornings down here um this time of year uh, we're into march right now but uh you know by by nine or ten o'clock in the morning it can be pretty warm already so we got to get a got to get an early start down here and and uh try to get one in the tree it's also you know not just the temperature but but your humidity and everything's going to be a lot better this time of morning so we're right. we're kind of optimal time so we're on the move hunting bobcats in South Texas, and uh, so so I just want to talk a little bit about uh, you know the you coming on board with Houndsman XP. Uh, we've already recorded a couple podcasts while while we've been down here with some of the. You've got a lot of access. You have access to some pretty legendary houndsmen in the Southwest here, and um, that's one of the reasons why. We thought this was a good idea to to 
get you signed up and get you under contract. And, uh, you know, those two, two guys we've already interviewed, those are going to be great. Those are going to be great episodes, man. I, you know, and I, I, it's, we're in dog country. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of game down here and things are a little bit different. You know, we're in, we're in real dense brush, which a lot of people have dense brush, but you know, a lot of this brush is, um, now, this is brush thorny, you know, and, and, uh, just, there's a lot of things that kind of force you to do things a little bit out of south, outside the box down here. And, um, I said it before, you know, everywhere has its challenges. That's, mm-hmm. that's just a fact in dog hunting. It's, is everywhere you hunt, is going to present some sort of challenges. And, and, but anyhow, there's, there's a lot of dog men down here and, and I shouldn't say a lot, but there's good dog men down here that, uh, that have been doing it a long time and, and handed down the, the, uh, their experiences to the younger generation. And, and that's something that you and I had talked about, like, let's get this, the younger generation involved in, in doing some podcasts. And, um, but those two guys, yeah, I feel like we set the bar pretty high with those. You're going to expect a lot of me, uh, in the future. Um, <laughs> and some, some cool podcasts like, like, uh, I won't let the cat out of the bag, but the first one we did, um, and I don't know how we're going to release them, but but something really unique. I know when you and I first talked about, or I discussed with you what I wanted to do, you were looking at me like I was crazy, and uh, when it was all said and done, I feel like you understood why I wanted to do that podcast, and, and so hopefully we get to do more stuff like that just because of the unique situations we're in with so much game and and having to do things a little bit different down here we'll get to we'll get to open people's eyes to a little different way of doing things why did you want to get why did you want to look at the younger generation houndsman what what piqued your interest about that well a couple reasons um you know one uh i remember i remember the struggles that that I had when I first started out, you know, I didn't have anybody helping me just kind of learned it on my own. Um, later on, I, I got a lot of help and, and boy, it really, it really changed things. But, but, um, you know, I think the younger generation, even if we're getting to talk to somebody that doesn't know everything there is to know about houndsmen or about being a houndsman, they're, they're going to have some good questions and, and bring up some struggles that they're having that, that I want the younger generation to realize that, Hey, you're not struggling alone. Like everybody goes through these, these hard times. And even, even as a, you know, as a houndsman that's been doing it for a long time, you're still going to run into struggles. You know, your pack's not always going to be perfect. There's always going to be adjustments. Um, might raise a litter that doesn't work out like you thought they were going to, and they present some different struggles. But, but just that, that they're, they're not in it alone. You know, the other thing is, um, you know, trying to, as you say, you know, uh, preserve, promote, and protect. And the only way we're going to preserve it is by introducing the younger generation to it. And if we don't, if we don't keep them involved and keep them hooked, uh, we're gonna we're gonna lose it completely. And and to be honest, uh, you know, podcast is a relatively new thing. I think or you know, our older, uh, generation is, is, uh, maybe not tuned into it quite so well, might not know how to download the app. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that's, that's, you know, going to be the, the, the core 
listeners of any podcast is is you know the the younger generation so yeah and and when you say that about tech stuff you know i I learned something this week with my uh drive track you know I, i i couldn't get my alpha handheld linked up to my drive track and i've talked to garmin i've talked to sales reps i've talked to the dealer I talked to everybody about how to do this, and you had a younger houndsman show you. Yeah, you show you how to hook that thing up, and uh, uh, so they're more techy. And yep. and this this lifestyle changes all the time. And the days of dropping hounds and listening for your hounds is over. And there's some guys that can still do that, but with, with places where hunting getting smaller, uh, you know, we're, we're relying more on some of this technology stuff and you got to admit it, man. I mean, my son doesn't even hardly talk on the phone. He's not, well, he'll be 20 here in a month or two. And, but he doesn't even talk on the phone. He can whip out a text message or an Instagram or I'm sorry, a Snapchat faster than I can even pull up my, my text box for my daggone iPhone, you know, but that's just one aspect of it. Yeah. You know, the you look over and, and, uh, I've got a 13 year old daughter as well. You know, you look over their thumbs, both thumbs are just going as fast. Uh, reminds me of, uh, talking like, to you and looking at, looking at something else and sending a text. Yeah. Or two or three different conversations at the yeah. same time. Yeah. It's a crazy fast paced world we're living in right now. And not all, you know, though, but I think a lot of times we, we confuse age with experience there's a lot of houndsmen out there that are that are half my age that are hitting it i mean they're getting after it there's a lot of really good accomplished houndsmen you've been in it since since you were if you're hardcore a few years and you're hitting it hard and you're you're paying attention you know 10 years into this game there's some houndsmen that i know that have got more on the ground experience than than houndsmen that have been in it for 25 years you know they like they like hanging out and they like telling the stories and they like like the environment but man some of these younger younger houndsmen and women i mean they're getting it getting after it yeah you know and that's that's one of the reasons i think uh there's there's a lot of good dog men and women down here is there's you know you've got to look at the country now everywhere we go is is ranch country and there's a ton of game and if you're a young person with desire and and manners um you can get access to a lot of country and that's down here it's private country there is no public land so you have to and that's why i say manners you know you have to you have to be able to get along with landowners but if you can you know talk to landowners and and you're they they know you have a good reputation you're not out doing shady things they'll let you on their places because they want the hogs gone they want the cats gone they want the coyotes gone and so a young person with desire can get a ton of experience uh in really no time at all down here i know some real young kids that are that are hunting hogs and stuff and we're going to talk to them in some later podcast and man they're they're hellacious dog people already at such a young age it's it's really cool to see well you work in it you work in a business within the pbr you, you deal with those 1920 
you know, 19 to 25 year olds a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I hear a lot of people say, you know, the younger generation, what are we going to do? A lot of hand wringing, a lot of memes on Facebook. Uh, you know, the the new generation is lost. What's your experience? Man, I, you know, I think it's a little bit of, little bit of everything you know it's it's all in the way they're raised you know and and the one thing i will say about uh the young guys of the pbr is i remember the very first time we went to new york city to perform madison square gardens and all of a sudden new york is filled with cowboy hats and the people were looking around like what the heck is going on here and they would even ask like why are there so many cowboy hats what's going on and and we would tell them, but what blew their mind was these young guys would walk up and open the door for, for a lady. And they would look at you like, what are you doing? And uh, and these guys, you know, go ahead, ma'am. Oh, don't call me ma'am. No ma'am, it's, you know, it's all out of respect. Uh, it's not about your age, you know. And and, uh, and it blew their mind. And, and now when uh, when those young guys show up in New York City, everybody's eyes light up because they they see something they've never got to see before and and so it's just the culture you know and i think a lot of a lot of dog men and women come from that culture um you know it's not that that fast pace everybody's got something to do so fast it's it's the being polite to others and and uh opening doors and saying yes ma'am no ma'am um yes sir no sir uh so I think there's a lot of hope. I think it's just, um, well, it's how much responsibility do we as houndsmen have to mentor the younger younger hunters? Well, I mean, if we wanna if we wanna keep our sport alive, we've we've got a lot of um, responsibility. You know, we're we're the ones that have to teach these guys um, not only how how to treat others and and get country for ourselves to hunt, but but you know for instance i've got a neighbor that that uh dogs ended up on their place and and um and uh the landowner was okay with with my dogs being on their place but a guy that had at least came in there and he was mad that the dogs were in there and i apologized and and you know and he was quite honestly being ignorant over the situation and and cussing and screaming and this and that and and uh he, but he had had a bad experience, you know, and and some young guys uh, that uh, didn't have, you know, control of their dogs. And I, I could have stopped my dogs at any time. There was a lion in the area, and I knew it, and, and I thought possibly they were trailing a lion, and this guy was a, a cow, you know, raising cow-calf operation. And so anyways, um, but these other guys, they, they had had their dogs had, attacked one of his calves and um and he'll never forget that and that's something i think you know our responsibility as houndsmen is teach these guys hey we got to have control we can't let that happen and and i assured him hey if you don't want dogs on your place my dogs personally will not touch calf i was with them the whole time but if you don't want dogs on your place i understand uh they won't happen again you know and and he was okay with it but i think i think it's you know, we got to teach them that, but then too, something that. Well, what would have happened if you? And this is something that I think is a good segue here. Not really a segue, but you brought up a good point. 
you know, you got, you got a landowner that, that didn't want you there. And I know when I was younger that I probably wouldn't have had the self-control to realize one, to control my temper, but one realized that I'm the one that's got, I'm the one that did something wrong here, not, not the landowner. And I remember an, a, a, a houndsman, an older guy than me, and he was telling me about a similar situation. And he gave me a good piece of advice. He just, he keeps his head, he looks at people and he says, well, if I'm going to be treated like that, I'll never come back here again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You stun them with it, right? They're yeah. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that's perfect. But yeah. And it was, it was, it was hard to, it was hard to keep my, I'll tell composure. you one thing I've noticed about younger hunters and, and older hunters too. Uh, you know, when you, when you start out, you're motivated, you're hard charging, you're not afraid to knock on that door. You're not afraid to get places to hunt. Um, you're just, you're just motivated to get that done. And then as we get older and our traditional spots that we fell in love with change hands, we lose the spot, they put a new house in, they break up the ranch, whatever it is, you know, instead of going out and finding new spots as an older houndsman a lot of times we just sink back into it and say oh it's over yeah. you know you can't find you can't find any place to hunt anymore and that's just simply i mean it is getting tighter sure but there's something to learn there from that younger younger houndsman that may you know maybe if i was a little more motivated Maybe if I wasn't so self-absorbed into trying to hang on to the past and hunt this one spot that I fell in love with 30 years ago, there there might be another spot I could hunt. And these young guys aren't afraid to go out and find it. Yep. Yeah. You know, and 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 there's a chance that you can, you know, just because it changes hands doesn't mean that you can't ever hunt it again. And that's that's something like this particular place we're hunting on right now. Um, the uh, the people who got me on this place were the leasees and they recently lost the lease. But, um, the, you know, they had the hunting lease and, right. and that's kind of how it works down here. Somebody, you know, if the landowner doesn't want the hunt and they lease it out, if they don't want the graze and they lease it out. And so the landowner has a, you know, ranch manager, uh, and uh, he looks over everything, and, and so the leasee lost the lease, but the ranch manager, I've always done a good job. I've always taken care of things. If something's out of place, I call him. I right. let him know, you know, uh, what yesterday uh, uh, we had we had come to a gate that was open that we didn't think was supposed to be open, so we called him and, you know, uh, told him the sign that I'd seen. There were some cows had been on the other side of the fence but i didn't think there was any and and whatnot and, and just take care of your landowners take care of your ranch managers and and so uh the landowner talking to a good friend of mine he had asked him if i was still going to get to hunt here and the landowner said if the new leases don't agree to have shorty out there hunting they're not going to be the leases and so yeah. i've got a relationship with that landowner now where I'm going to be welcome on this ranch no matter who leases it. 
So it's very important to take care of your landowners and 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 you just did that by being by caring. Yeah. You know, really, I mean, that's what it boils down to. You see a gate open, you're like, man, I don't think that gate's supposed to be open, and I don't think there's supposed to be cows in here. Just small things that shows the landowner and the ranch foreman. You know, Shorty's Shorty's not just out here using and abusing my property. He actually is paying attention. He's another set of eyes. I mean, and yep. all they don't have to pay you. They don't. You know, you're not getting a paycheck. You're just you're just here and another set of eyes, and you get you get the benefit from hunting. They get a benefit from from having another set of eyes on their property. Yeah, you know, and that's that's and it's not it doesn't even have to be a gate open. I'll ask them, you know. Um, hey, where's your cows at? Well, they're in this pasture, but I, but I, I think I'm missing a couple, and they'll be in that uh, that other pasture. Well, if I see them in that pasture, I'll call them and say, hey, uh, I saw, you know, black cow and red cow. They're down in this creek, over by this, and and so that they know where to go to get them. And man, that it it does it does wonders. It, right. And it's so simple. It's a picking up the phone. Right. Just like knocking on that door. That's right. Yeah, all you gotta do is just pay attention and and uh, think about think about the little things. I mean, and and you can't do that if if all you're concentrating on. And this is probably the the lesson for the younger houndsman is this is a big experience. You know, there's a lot of parts to this thing, and if we're going to be successful, we got to pay attention to some small stuff. It's not just about catching the game. It's just not not about uh, your hound being out there and you being out there. If we're going to be successful and maintain this lifestyle, we've got to pay attention to the little things that really matter. Because a lot of times the little things are the most important things. That's right. You know, and, and somebody might be listening to this right now and say, well, we've got a ton of public land. I don't need, that doesn't matter to me. But it still, it does. Because believe me, if you piss off enough tourists or or bird watchers or deer hunters or they're the ones that are going to squawk and they're they're the ones that are going to that are going to bring up issues um that we don't want to have to fight they're gonna, they're the ones that want to get you off of the public land so that while they're watching the birds they don't have to hear a dog barking or you know and and so it's easy to create small problems that, that we don't even realize we're creating and to to avoid it it's simple be courteous and it's easy for those small problems to turn into huge, to big, big issues and and things like that. It takes it takes it takes ten seconds when you meet a car on a public, you know, on a, when you're on the national forest public land, to think about it, raise your hand, smile at them. Yep. You know, it takes two minutes to to stop and roll your window down and and have a short conversation. Mm-hmm. And and that person may never become a houndsman or be involved in this lifestyle but now they put a face with something they remember your dog they remember the the positive experience they had you know if you if you run them off the road like you're what are you doing here you shouldn't be here this is our forest blah 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 then uh man you just you you just helped helped i mean you loaded the gun and handed it to somebody and said hey shoot us down that's right that's right and that and you know, and and we get we get to feeling that way. Uh, I I remember I was I was hunting some public land, 
in New Mexico and and uh and a guy that that lived right there. He was a houndsman and he felt like it was his forest cuz he lived right there. And uh and he was mad that I was there. And I and I politely told him I said I'm a public landowner. That's I right. pay taxes. I own just as much of this land as you do. And and it, after he thought about it, then he cooled off, you know, but but it's easy to get you know in that in that mindset where this is my country what are you guys doing here you know what but it's not if if they're i don't care uh you know if they're bunny hugger or another hunter or whatever they own just as much of it as you do be nice to them yeah the first tenant of the north american model for wildlife conservation is wildlife is a public trust you know should be held in public trust so that means that even I can't remember maybe never I don't think my wife has ever had a hunting license she's hunted with me on our property where she's licensed exempt a time or two but as far as she doesn't know you know by if you're looking at it from dollar wise she doesn't own she doesn't own a square inch of public ground except the fact that it's public right she pays taxes yes so she has just as much right to be there as I do. That's right. And and you know, getting back to the to the hound houndsman feeling that way, you know, I always like the way Calvin Redhouse looks at it. Calvin Calvin's a Navajo and we're not gonna go down the path of, you know, social injustice to the Native American people, but he hunts on the Navajo Nation Reservation, which is open to hunt public hunting. And if he goes down the road and he sees somebody like me from Indiana, I don't have any investment in that property at all. Mm-hmm. But Calvin will see another houndsman out there, and his attitude is, hey, have a good time. Yep. I've seen it. I've been with yep. him when he's done it. Hey, you guys are hunting up here. Have a good time. Now what he does do is he look he self reflects and he's like, okay, you might have beat me here today, yep. but you're not going to beat me here tomorrow. Yeah, and that's that's your job, you know. If you're, no matter what you're doing, um, if you're in business, your job is to get up earlier than the competition, and get the job done before they're there. Work harder, work smarter. You know, that's that's anything. If you want to be successful in life at anything, you better beat them to the punch. Yeah, but uh, yep. I like to think of Calvin Redhouse as a hound hunting sensation from the Navajo Nation. <laughs> that's the new tagline. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, and that's a perfect example of what we were talking about before about the younger houndsman. Calvin has not been a houndsman that long. He was in the Marine Corps for ten years. Yeah, and so the last f- maybe five, you know, he's been he's actually been. A houndsman on the Navajo Nation, but that guy hunts like a madman. Well, and any, thank you, Garmin. Uh, You know, I'm I'm a huge fan of of military men and women, and just the structure and the the discipline that you get out of the military. It doesn't hurt you in anything you do in life, and you know you, you. that guy's got it. You know, you could see it, he hasn't been doing 
hunting very long, but he he's a student of the game. He works his butt off at it, and uh, and it shows. You yeah, know? and he gets out there and gets his you know boots on the ground. Yep, and pounding those those uh, Chuska Mountains and and uh, we don't want to talk too much about him because he can get a little bit. I mean, his head swells up and gives me a hard time. And I got to give him a hard time, too. Might be the fry bread. Because <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had fry bread. Oh, but, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that'll make me swell up, too. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, Calvin's a hoot. I mean, you, you get, if you enjoy his videos. Yeah. Then you would really enjoy spending time on the mountain with Calvin. He's, guys, in the He's got a great personality, great sense of humor, and don't think you're going to get a cut get cut any slack if you go out there. I mean, he will absolutely. If you're thin-skinned and you get your feelings hurt, and you take everything that somebody says personal, you're going to have a hard time with Calvin. Perfect, I love it. <laughs> Makes for good times that way. Oh man, he's a hoot. He won't cut you any slack. So, Shorty, we went. You know, what are your goals? for the podcast you're going to be you're going to be recording some interviews and and uh you know i'm not moving to to texas yet well so you're going to be you're going to be down here and and talking to some of these legendary houndsmen solo what are some of your goals well just you know kind of like i said just shed new light on on there's different ways to do things you know um uh and no way's wrong you know that's that's the thing is if you want there are some ways that are wrong i I would i would argue with you with you on that but go ahead well in in some sense but there's no you know there's no wrong style of hound there's no however you want to hunt hunt that way like do it do what you please do as long as it's ethical exactly that's what i mean there's there's no don't be shooting holes in the boat right you know right but as far as your method of hunting and what style of hounds you like, don't let anybody tell you it's wrong. Now, you may or may not be catching the amount of game that everybody else is, but if you enjoy the dog and you enjoy hunting that method, you know, I've got some friends that, that, uh, quite honestly, don't, don't catch a lot of game, but their whole deal is they just, they, it's their therapy. They go out to, to hear the dogs bark and they don't care if they're chasing a rabbit uh a hog uh what they like just listening to the dogs and and it's soothing to them it it's not my deal you know my deal i i'm try to to uh micromanage my dogs and and uh try to have the best dogs in the country just because of what i'm doing and and whatnot and and um but i don't look down on the other guys for for what they do because that's what they like to do, you know, and that, that's, you know, they're hunting, the ones feeding them. Yeah, hunt, hunting's a personal experience. Yep. You know, it's it's a it's a personal thing that the person doing it has to be able to draw out their own rewards from it and put their own values on what hunting means to them. Right. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that are made is passing that judgment or trying to uh, tell people what the value should be 
within their own personal hunting experience. You know, if, if you want to have a bunch of wild hounds and and don't break them off deer and 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 if you're if you're not deer hunting with hounds right but uh, i mean if you're a coon hunter and you don't pay attention and you're just out there turning a dog loose and you just like hearing them bark and you know more power to you doesn't mean that you're going to have a whole lot of hunting friends that are trying to break young hounds because they don't they're not going to turn loose with a trashy hound exactly so you got to have some expectation in that too and and there's but there are some things that that older houndsmen we need to be mentoring these younger younger people um because you can't have just wild crazy run the country go wherever you want type hounds there is value in maintaining the lifestyle by having a hound that is is well mannered and and ha you have a handle on and you know you don't want them in the next ranch if they're not supposed to be there yep because that's going to be more harmful and than, that's something to consider when you're yeah. when you're uh what style of hound you like if you're hunting small blocks you might not want to get a dog that ranges out there too far yeah exactly exactly but no you know i just i think there's so many good hunters down here in this area i think i think it'll it'll be fun just getting to getting to talk to a lot of new people and and um and i'm not just going to stay in south texas i'll i'll uh, i do travel a lot so i'll get to uh get to go a lot of new places but Main thing is just keep it interesting and and uh, keep the young generation hooked and hopefully answer a bunch of their questions. You know that's that's something I think is is super important. We can we can talk about all these things, talk about you know talk to the the older guys and uh, talk hounds, but we don't always do a fantastic job about answering questions that these younger kids may have um, and. Uh, that's my goal is to to do a better job of of trying to do that, um, so that these young kids not only can listen to it and entertain themselves while they're uh, doing whatever it is they do when they listen to their podcast, but they can get some information out of it that's going to help them become a better houndsman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we've reformatted the podcast a little bit too, mm -hmm. uh, where you know we're using that pre-roll time to answer questions that come in we get a strike i believe i heard a dog bark yep see what happens here um but we're re we're going to reformat this thing a little bit and and do a better job as a podcast of addressing some of this stuff and there's podcasts out there now that are not hound focused that are starting to talk about hound hunting and hunting with hounds and i've listened to some of these and they get it wrong you know um they don't they don't have the experience to be answering that so we want to provide a place for people to get answers from experienced houndsmen right you know um and i think i think the other the other platforms and podcast content is excellent and there's things you can glean from there but but our podcast is is always going to be about the houndsman's story right yeah no and i think it's it's very important and that that just that comes from a lack of experience you know you take somebody hunting um you know just a, a hunter bought a bought a hunt from 
from a houndsman and and went and and what they may be telling um on another podcast is their one experience you know and that's that's something that uh you know to them that's what hound hunting is was that one experience yep. where you know the houndsmen that are out there pounding the ground every day uh those are the ones that they could tell the real story and so uh not sure if you guys can hear that or not but we got a cat going here right by the truck so uh pardon me if my focus isn't 100 percent on what we're doing right now on this podcast <laughs> i told you we don't have time for this hunting stuff i know i know <laughs> good thing is the dogs are only what 50 to 100 yards right now so yeah and they're in that brush lighting it up or they were yeah we're we just gotta got a little loose right now so We're both distracted. Yeah. Looking at the Garmin. Yeah. So tell us about this style of hound you're hunting real quick. And we just kind of a recap. We talked a lot about it in the um, in the first episode you were on, but you know, let's talk about talk about this style of hound real quick. So in in South Texas, um, we found that the that the running dogs the foxhounds work the best on the bobcats um uh again nothing nothing wrong with the with the old uh coon hounds or or southwest hounds that's what i had when i moved down here but these dogs um they just seem to be have a little little better track style to catch a bobcat down here in this in this thick brush you know they um a pack of they picked uh, it up again yeah over here. i've got 13 dogs on the ground right now you know and and uh um there's going to be a a few of those dogs that are kind of closer track dogs uh but they don't go track for track then then i'm going to have some dogs swinging out um a little different terminology that we use down here versus like what your coyote hunters are going to use um what we call a jump dog is is a dog that just flat out doesn't go try to grab the track doesn't swing and try to grab the track they go way out ahead of the dogs and they're looking for the cat and those dogs are not not going to bark till they're right behind the dog the cat you know so just that track style works down here versus all the dogs trying to take a, tra a single trail and stay tight to it um you're not going to put enough pressure on a cat down in this part of the world that's why these these running dogs um seem to be the answer to to put the heat on a cat down in this part of the country yeah if you had uh, from my experience from what i've seen shorty hunting with you for i guess we've hunted a few days together now and with this pack if you turn loose a traditional track style dog down here the brush is so thick yep that 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 bobcat is will absolutely stay ahead you'll never put enough pressure on it if every one of your dogs was a track style dog then you would never put enough pressure on this cat to catch him that's right and yeah. and if you had if you had all swing dogs that didn't know how to s slow down and put their head down then these swing dogs and and your jump dogs are going to overrun a lot of stuff and have a lot of loses that's right and and that's 
you know, that's our job as a houndsman. I think I look at, at my pack of dogs as if I was a coach of a football team. And so you get a flag for having 13 players on the field. Oh, dang rules, rules, yep. rules. Um, yep. When they shot the three pointer too, you'd get it. You'd get a penalty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but no, you know, I, I think it's, it's learn your game and what it takes to catch game in your area. And then, assemble your dogs accordingly you know and sometimes sometimes i may sell a dog or or something um and it's i wouldn't have any of these trashy things me either that's why i sell them <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's nothing wrong with a dog it's just i may have too many too many track dogs mm-hmm. and 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 you know they're they're slowing me down a little too much or or i've got uh too many jump dogs or or and not enough track dogs or whatever it may be um you know and and i try to keep it all balanced to where it's a real balanced pack that i've got enough of each um style of dog to uh to effectively catch game and and you know yeah it it doesn't hurt a lot of times to have too many of of one the only thing down here that can hurt you is having too many track track dogs that are that are tight to that track yeah um and so but uh how many do you think you need out of 13 oh you know because you, you normally hunt this many dogs yeah um a 14 fit in my truck really well when they're tired they can they can lay down and everybody has their own bed and so I, that's what i usually hunt because when i go on projects i'll split them up and i'll hunt two packs um and so usually you know when there's you some say project you're talking about line studies yeah yeah Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second i want to get into that remind me or or guided hunts both you know Mm -hmm. um but i like to have enough dogs that i can split them up into two to three packs if i need to typically just two but um but that's why i hunt so many dogs and two down here there's so many things and i think it's you know it's true in a lot of places there's so many things that can that can um they can kill your dogs out here you know every time you turn them loose might be the last time you see that dog and so uh it's easy to all of a sudden if you're hunting a limited amount of dogs um just what you need boom you have one bad accident maybe a rattlesnake kills kills a couple dogs and all of a sudden you don't have enough so i always say you got to have too many to have enough you've rehearsed this line a lot with your wife haven't you yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, luckily You're just um, a hound addict, just admit it. You yeah. got too many dogs, Shorty. And the only reason you have this many is because because you want this many. That's you've heard that line before, haven't you? No, no. <laughs> I I will say, uh mine was well trained. She she grew up her so her grandpa was was a legendary cat hunter down here. Uh people still talk about him today. Um hell of a houndsman and in this dry climate down here he was and now he uh financially had things you know very well not not that he was a rich man or nothing like that but he he worked he worked hard and set himself up and and so all he could do was hunt cats because that's what he liked to do and he would catch 350 to 400 bobcats a year down here wow and you know that's that's legendary status no and so doubt. and then her father um who got burned out of the cat hunting because his 
his dad hunted so hard. Right. Um, was a hog hunter and and had cow dogs. So, uh, you know, first time I visited the ranch, um, you know, there was twenty five dogs down there in the kennel. So that's how she grew up with a lot of dogs. And and so my stepson hunts hogs. Uh, my father in law's got cow dogs still to this day, and I've got dogs. So she. It's part she, of her lifestyle it, too. She doesn't know any different, you know. That's yeah. since she was a baby. There's been, you know, twenty or thirty dogs down there in the kennel. So uh, she has never complained about the hunting um, or the amount of dogs, uh, as long as we don't try to talk her into going down and cleaning kennels. Dakota two eight three offers you unparalleled protection for your hounds. We're talking about military grade kennel crates. Uh, I got got one of these two-door kennel crates here at the house. It is super heavy-duty. It's got slap latches on it that are stainless steel. Easily fits in the back of an SUV, or if you're traveling with a camper shell, it's a great way to keep your dog protected while you are traveling. You just got to check out their Dash Series. This is a watering system, and I've used a lot of these portable waterers over the years. But this system is all integrated into one unit and the way it's designed out of high impact plastic the water stays in the tank when you're not using it because you can put a plug in it check them out uh, the 3.5 is also compact enough that i can store it behind the seat of my pickup truck while i'm out hunting when it's super cold i've had exterior tanks before and as soon as i go to cold climates then i've got to figure out how i'm going to get water to my hounds and the dash takes care of that. So check out Dakota 283 at dakota283.com and at checkout, enter the code HXP10 and get 10% off of your order. You know, my wife, my wife never complains about, about me, honey. Uh, I've got a very good i'm in the same similar situation you know she she may complain about having too many dogs occasionally uh and i know how many dogs that i need to keep in order to do them justice right for the amount of uh amount of game i can keep them on and stuff like that and and um i'm the type of guy that if i get too many dogs and i can't hunt them uh because of work schedules or or whatever then then I feel guilty. Right. So, um, and she's good about reminding me of that and keeping me on track. But, you know, I was going to make this trip two weeks ago and come down here and, and see you. And she called me. I was five hours away from the house, and, and the weather report came out that, uh, you know, we were going to have some pretty rough stuff. And that's the only reason she called. And uh, it wasn't fair to her to for me to be down here you know, having her chunking wood in a wood stove and trying to keep the pipes unfrozen and, you know, all dealing with everything. So I turned around and drove home and come to find out that's the best thing that could have happened. Oh, man. You know, yeah. Down here in Texas is not the place to be two weeks ago. No, no. Uh, and I jokingly say that, that uh, it's not hell down here, but you can see it from here. And, uh, <laughs> and so the term when hell freezes over, uh, yeah, it was it was a little bit rough down here. We're definitely not set up for that cold weather like we had, um, you know. And and uh, and to be quite honest, 
the the hunting was terrible anyways uh we uh i hunted a few days in that frozen weather and the animals down here aren't used to it in fact um there's a a freedom hunters event during yep i did i did and um but but so there's a lot of of uh exotics in this country and a lot of exotics down here died because of the cold weather um but yeah we did a freedom hunter man and it was it was tough it was really really tough the game just wasn't moving these cats weren't moving i thought being cold you know they'd need to eat keep those calories man i think they just went went and bedded down in there they'll, they'll use in this country use old badger holes to to something just loped across the road that was a deer um but uh you know, I think they just got in their holes and and uh, hunkered down just like everybody else did. So it was it was tough. You did a good job by turning around, and that's something. You know, if if your uh, partner um, doesn't complain a lot and you're gonna go hunting, and they say, "Hey, I really need your help. Do yourself a favor and just put the hunting aside for a day or two and help them because it'll make uh, it'll make your life a Heck of a lot easier. Marriage counseling by Shorty Gorm. Yeah, yeah. So we could, we could, we need to do a podcast on keys to a happy marriage by Shorty Gorm. No, no, <laughs> no. I'm definitely not an expert on that, but mine doesn't complain. And, and once in a great while, she'll, she'll, hey, I really need you to do this. And when and, they say that, yeah, when they say that, hey, I, I really need you to do this. Yeah, you need to pay attention. Exactly, exactly. And I still get to go hunting. I just adjust my hunting around what she needs me to do. You know, yeah. uh, take you know, yeah. if it's take a day, heck, take a day. You know, it's not gonna. And that's something I learned too. You know, I used to think these dogs, you, you just had to hunt them every day, every every day. And, and I've learned that a day off's not really gonna hurt them. If you need to go do some honeydews, go ahead. Um, happy wife, happy life. Yep. yep. There's a lot of wisdom in that. But she, yeah. did, she also knows I. For me, I have to get these dogs out, you know, three to four days a week. That's that's my rule. So she doesn't she doesn't pester me about. Right, right. So we'll make sure that Amanda hears this podcast and hears how grateful you are. And yeah, stuff. she'll say you're on a podcast. What? Why the hell would anybody want to listen to you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're getting back to these dogs. We're we're. What do we got going on out here? Get a badger hole cat? Yeah, I'm not sure. It, it seems like, I don't know, seems to me they may be going backwards uh, or. Um, Did you just admit that on the podcast? Oh, hey, my dogs go backward all the time. Um, they they are pretty good about turning it around. But yeah. so what down here, well, I think anywhere, a lot of times these cats walk with the wind. And it's easier for the dogs to trail into the wind. That, right. That winds, and it's not windy, but it's just a couple miles an hour. But it's blowing that scent into their face. But um, uh, it's hard to say because we've been talking and trying to just watch them on the garment, and I haven't listened real well to them. So it's hard to say exactly what's going on. But it seems like um, that track never really got too much faster. So. Let me Either. ask you this: from from how good are these dogs at locating? Say that cat cat was ten minutes ahead of them, or five minutes ahead of them, and bushed out there, and he's just sitting up in a tree. How good are how good are these 
type of hounds of, of locating game on game that's up like that? They're they're pretty good. They have to be looking at it to to, to tree. No, tree it? no, uh, they'll they'll definitely you know um, tree on scent, and that's something you know. I, I these dogs, the common common thing that you hear about the the foxhounds is that they don't uh, they don't tree and they don't have any nose, and mm-hmm. and it's just simply not true. It's just that's people who haven't hunted around them. Or haven't hunted around the right ones. Now I will say, for some of you know, they're they're not slobbermouth tree dogs. They're not barking eighty barks a minute. Um, they're kind of more of a setback and and look at the game type. Um, but they, they get do, pretty wired up at a tree. They do, you know, yeah. and and for for a while. But they'll, you know, I don't expect them to. My my deal is just stay there. Don't don't leave the tree. If they bark once in a while, that's fine, you know. I think these garments are i don't need don't need them to just bark their heads off i can find yeah. them i've got a garment in my pocket so um, as long as they stay there and keep that game up i'm okay with it mm-hmm. um you know and, and but yeah they they they're decent locators um now if you went into some huge timber they would probably struggle but the one thing about it with the garmin you're still going to find them watch where that track ends and that little line just goes to making circles and uh go right in the middle of that and start looking up you know you know as i hunt down here you mentioned something about you know bobcats running with the wind you know so it's actually pushing that scent out right you know away from where the dogs are yeah you know and and um if a dog, if a if a cat runs into the wind, it's going to be carrying that scent to the dog. Right. You know, and that's that's uh, a lot of dogs that I've had experience with. The smart ones, you can cut them, you can you can cut them downwind, but it always seems like they circle around, they come around behind you because they know that their chances of success are going to be better working the wind. Now, up in our country, you couldn't do it here because it's just, there's there's cover and brush all around you. You know, you right. can try to cut a dog downwind right here all you wanted, but if you got a dog that's that's smart, that wants to work that wind, mm-hmm. you know, you got to use that to your advantage. Now, right. one thing I will say up in our country is if you got a dog that, that doesn't range very well, you know, if you can set them up where they have to run they they will go farther and hunt harder when you're continually cutting them with the wind at their back you can actually teach a dog to get out there because they'll learn that they need to run you know down this fence row circle of patch woods you know whatever it is so there's a there's a little bit a little bit of training tip right there you know if you get a dog that's kind of hanging around at your feet you know, try to send him down a creek with the wind at your back and make him range out there because he'll want to get downwind well, actually, put put a little more. If they've got it in them, it'll it'll help them range out a little bit. But down here, I mean, man, if you got a dog, if I'd have brought Mongo down here, or you know, he he's gonna hunt that wind. I could try to cut him cut him with the wind all I wanted, but he's he's got cover all around him. He's gonna go where he's gonna go. Right, right, yeah. It's it's different here. It's it's this thick brush. They. Uh, if they're gonna go far, they gotta want to go far. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's just they can't just lope off in a straight line. It's always it's always a turn because there's another piece of brush in front of them. So yeah, 
It's uh, and I've had people all oh, just, I'll bring dogs down there. They'll just push right through that cactus and that. But yeah, bring them, bring bring all of them. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, until you've hunted in it, you just don't understand. But, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to hunt a dog that's uh, you know, trying to find another zip code as soon as you turn them loose down in this country. No, you know, you, you get treed out in the middle of that stuff, and you're gonna earn it. You're you're gonna earn every every step you take. Yep, yep. Um, it is rough. It, it the brush is thick enough. It reminds me of coastal Carolina. Only this howl has thorns on it. Yeah, yeah. And I've been you know been places just like you're saying, like where oh, you hunt in Florida. Yeah, yep. and and there's definitely brush as thick as this there, but a lot of it doesn't have thorns on it. Right. Right. So let's talk about, you. you we, we started to talk about, um, you mentioned doing projects and, and line studies. And uh, that's what they're running. They're running that rabbit that right rabbit. there, Shorty. Well, they're way behind him. Yeah, see, they, that rabbit's already given the slip. Yeah. Uh, that's where a lot of your experience has is unique, is you've worked a lot of study work over the years. Yeah, got really lucky, really, really lucky. Um, and didn't didn't know how much I'd enjoy it. Um, it's and it kind of happened by accident. I've I uh, had bought a dog from a gentleman out west, and uh, and we stayed in contact, and and um, uh, he learned, you know, how many cats were catching down here, and and whatnot and and we would we got to talking you know daily and and visiting about our hunts and this and that and and uh an opportunity came up where they needed help and it was a it was a very very unique situation um they needed a volunteer to go do to go get a project started and um uh but it was very, very, very important to have it be very successful. And so, um, just because of political reasons. And so, anyways, I, uh, he asked me to come out and, and help him, and I did. And, and luckily, it, it went the way we wanted it to go. And so, from there, it just, it just kept growing and, and getting to do more and more work. And, and uh, it's what I really have grown to enjoy doing it's it's really cool you know it's one thing to go out and i think it's um you know i think we talked about it in in a podcast we did yesterday it's not about pulling a trigger you know mm -hmm. it's it's in doing this doing the studies you know you go you get to go catch a um you know a lion or depending on where you're at a cougar or a panther which is all the same animal a puma a puma yeah and and uh and put a collar on it and you know do some other some other stuff scientific stuff while you're on the ground and and measurements and and weight and uh dna samples and and uh blood test and different things for different reasons depending on where you're at and what they're trying to accomplish right and uh and every study's got its own objective it does i mean they they, they set goal and and you can correct me if i'm if I go overboard or out of place here, but 
you know, most of these studies have an objective that they're trying to prove or disprove. Right. Uh, and and when I say objective, studies should be objective. You shouldn't go into a, a wildlife study with predeterminations that things are, are we want to prove this particular right. thing. Right. Um, and so everyone you work, it could be density. It could be how far how far the animal travels, how, how often they circle back into an area after they've been ex, uh, caught, you know, to show movement pa right. patterns. You know, all there's all kinds of things that you can do with this. The cool thing about it, Shorty, is without hunters and people with knowledge of being able to catch this game, wildlife suffers you know it does because because if we remove all the hunters from the landscape if we if we you know we all know that hound hunting is constantly under fire and we take the houndsman off the landscape where you can't come out and do this who's going to do that lion study right right and how are you going to do it you know there's there's other methods to to capture um you know a, a lion and and but per per man hour spent in the field, it's still the most effective way mm -hmm. to uh, to to capture and, and get a collar on a or whatever you want to do. But um, but it you know so it's it's uh, it's been fun and one of my favorite things is is you know afterwards uh, you wake wake it up and it and it goes on and you get to see that line again. Where if you if you uh, you know, if you shot it, that's that's one and done. You know, you're right. you're over. And so, and then, um, one of the cool things about being on the project is I get access to the computer codes, so I get to go watch uh, the locations of those animals after after we're out of the area and watch their movement. And you know, and and so it's super cool. Um, yeah, you can tell when they've made a kill and and you know just the different things so I, I i really really enjoy that part of it and um and that's why i've got to keep these hounds tuned up all the time is because when when one of those occasions arises i have to be i have to be ready and, and my hounds have to be fully tuned up and ready to go you don't want to go do it on a job because whoever's doing the project is spending a lot of money on you um and it's not don't get me wrong it's not a get rich deal but but they have to have they have to have a veterinarian there they have to have you know uh just field workers there and, and all those people are on are on some kind of a payment so have a biologist a biologist yep um yeah you got you know every study you're going to do is going to have a biologist involved they're the ones that that um that created the study and and are trying to learn things so you uh you know but that biologist going to have a vet going to have a couple helpers to help us on the ground um once the animal stopped and and we want to get it um uh immobilized and so all those people are, are getting paid so it, it becomes very expensive and 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 those biologists have done this before so they know when you show up ready and when you don't show up ready and and if you're not hitting the gates uh at a run you're uh you might not get to do another study with that biologist. So your job, your job, in this project, is to catch game. 
it's catch it's, game. It's yep. Catch stuff. Be case. effective, yeah. Yep. And so a lot of times the biologists they may not even be in, you know, they're not riding around in your truck with you. Nope. They're not they're not all packed in your truck and and stuff like that. You're you're so what's your what's your job once the animal is treated? Well, um basically keep it treated and no they they um they do all that stuff and it's it's something you don't want the responsibility of um so we you know hold it hold it treat i i I talk them into the tree you know typically we'll have radios or some sort of communication when they're coming in and, and i'll stop them when they need to stop if that animal's getting nervous or something and just let that animal relax again and, and get them in there as quiet as possible i'll i'll estimate the animal's weight so that they can come in with the dart already loaded um if it's a nervous one uh we really need to do that but um uh and then and then once once that's over uh really i can i can leave but i i i like staying and and helping them you know and and making sure we get that animal out of that tree safely uh you don't want an animal falling out um so there's different things we We'll have a catch net, so if it does fall, we can catch it. Um, sometimes, depending on the protocol, uh, in Florida we had a, a what we call a crash pad that we put under the catch net. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then you always have have a tree climber there, so somebody's going to climb that tree, put a uh, put a rope on a foot, so that we can let it out of the out of the tree slowly and at a controlled descent right and uh is that the ideal way to get a cat off a tree it is yeah and so um or you know for me ideally is i get the dogs tied back and and um if it when that dart hits it it'll jump and and keep the dogs tied back and then give it give it time to go and, and go to sleep and then just take one dog either loose or on a leash and uh and go find it asleep mm-hmm. on the ground so but you, you you're trying to trying to do this study with the least amount of impact and disruption to that lion's life 100 percent, absolutely and and everything you're doing i just think it's ironic that that the people that want to watch look at mountain lions and and you know they enjoy the pictures if they don't disprove of you being out there with your hound doing the the biological study right but you're really not doing anything different than you would if you were hunting exactly exactly so that's it's almost hypocritical and and of of people to think that because we put this biological tag oh it's a study oh okay well I'm okay with that Houndsmen do that every time they turn a dog loose. They're doing the exact same things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and but it's just you know um, people people have a sour taste because they don't understand it. Right. And that's that's the thing. And they know they know if you're doing a study exactly what your objective is is you know to to disturb that animal as least amount as possible mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. But, but I think that's houndsman's fault 
for not being proactive in in uh, explaining what we're doing, um, shedding a good light, you know. And another thing, I think we're a lot of a lot of us are guilty of is putting the wrong pictures on on social media, you know. Uh, there's there's a, a desire to be social media famous in in a lot of a lot of us and and uh and insta famous insta famous and uh and i think it's easy to put the wrong pictures up there you know and 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 uh we can easily uh hand hand the the enemy the bullet that's going to kill us and you so, know it's it's kind of like not not everybody i we try to we try to create the narrative or help people create their own narrative of how to talk about hunting and right. how to talk about being a houndsman. Uh, that's what this podcast is all about. Uh, communication is going to be either the com effective communication or the lack of communication is going to be. It's what's got us where we're at right now, and right. it's what's going to determine whether we're able to do this in the future. And. Uh, you know, there's just certain certain ways to set up photos and videos that show our lifestyle. What are you looking for? We're hunting. You, man, you can splitter. say whatever you want. My little splitter for... Oh, for your Garmin? For the, yeah, that plugs into my cigarette lighter. Yeah. I don't know where it's at. I don't either. You had it. What's this right here? Nope. Thought I threw it up here. I live out of this truck, so it's like Easter when you got to find something. Yeah, you're disrupting a really good philosophical point. I was going to be pontificating and showing all my deep thinking and wisdom. I'm glad you found that. Eureka! So no, I'm getting back to what I was saying. There, there are good ways to set up photos. You know, when you're trying to sell a dog. For instance, when you you're trying to sell a dog, or just taking a picture of a of a hound that you're you're proud of, there's nothing wrong with a dog living on a chain, right? You know, nothing. I mean, I tie out every hound I have. It's we can't allow people to tell us that that's wrong. And there's be true benefits to that. But man, if you're going to take a picture of it, <laughs> then clean up the dog crap behind the dog. Right. You know. Right. If he's, and you should be doing that. You should be keeping your kennels clean anyway. But I can't tell you how distasteful that looks. That just that that part of it. You know, exactly. have a little bit of awareness here. Yep. You're you're putting that out there for the public to see, and with you know people putting human feelings with dogs at a, at an unreasonable rate. Um, that just doesn't play well. And right. the same thing goes with, you know, a buddy of mine that takes great Instagram photos and and video of truly showcasing the houndsman lifestyle is Jared Moss on Instagram. You know, he shows pictures of his hounds uh, trailing across the side of a mountain, and, and he shows a deeper 
It's not just about catch and gain. Right. It's not just about that part. He's showing the intrinsic values of being a houndsman. He shows pictures of his kids, and there's several out there that do that. I just wanted to give a shout-out to Jared because he does a good job of capturing the the adventure and the lifestyle and what it means and and the romance side of it, you know, the nostalgia right. yep. and the, the led legacy that he's building for his family. And it's all good stuff. Well, you know, and that's... And it just takes a little bit of awareness to do that. Exactly. And to be clear, I'm not saying I'm not saying that social media is not a good thing. I'm not trying to discourage people from posting stuff. I'm saying the wrong pictures right. is a bad thing. And right. there's nothing more beautiful than a big old tom lion and a ponderosa pine or uh, you know, a bear or, or a bobcat. Like they're truly a majestic, beautiful animal. And and we should we should showcase that and and you know it, we're seeing something that not everybody gets to see but the wrong pictures can can be very damaging to our sport and I I just think it's so easily avoided. Um, well, people will say, but, but what do you say to the people that say, ah, society's too soft? You know, you, you gotta. You, I'm not gonna cater. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pander. To these people that that don't know what reality is really like. Well, you know, I think uh, they. Because I are, have some of those personal feelings. I do too. You know, and and what we're doing is not wrong, um, but it's we're creating unnecessary battles. Um, we don't need to be, you know, in your face. Um, let's let's present our our lifestyle in a in a pretty way. Uh, to, for lack of a better word. Well, it um, is a beautiful thing. It's not a. It's not a wrong word. It's a beautiful thing. When this is a a beautiful thing that we do. Yeah, it is. And and you know the thing is, we can't forget that there's people with a lot of money and a lot of time that if seen wrong something that that's distasteful will spend a lot of money and a lot of their time to fight us and and it's just it's a battle that we don't need that we don't have to have and it's simply avoided by putting a good light and good pictures and and a good twist on what we're doing you know and and since you started the the whole marriage counseling section <laughs> You know, it, it the relationship. It, this is a this is a metaphor, or, or you know, of of what we're talking about. Hunting is a beautiful thing. Um, Ernest Hemingway was a hunter, and he wrote about it in a beautiful way. Um, it, it's not it's not something that we should be hiding from, right? You know, and when you think of a metaphor, you know, the relationship between a man and a woman, a husband and wife, is a beautiful thing. But can be, but yeah, a good a good relationship, right? You know, yeah, a successful yeah, yeah. good relationship is a beautiful thing. Pornography has made it ugly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So so, and something that that makes people feel that they need to hide. And I use that analogy a lot with people that post things on social media. I'm I'm proud of my kids. Right. I'm proud of my family. 
but I didn't. I, for me to take the camera in the bedroom and show you how they got here, right, would be wrong. Right. You exactly. know. Yeah. It's not acceptable. And yep. as a hound hunting community, people, this is a hot topic all the time on social media. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And and the other thing, you know, um, all the time, I'll I'll post a picture and and somebody will uh comment you know something negative and i don't back down from them but i try to explain it and you know and explain it in a in a you know the, the thing that i think the general public non-hunting general public doesn't know uh just to catch everybody up here real quick we did take that track backwards um these cats right now are using these dens to have kittens and uh, I think where we started the track mm-hmm. is where it was in its hole, and we took it backwards. So this track is gone. We're gonna we're gonna keep going. But back to what I was saying is is you know I try to explain it to them like okay so hunting is not just people going out and in you know murdering things as a lot of people try to you know call us murderers. And I explained to them that you know there's biologists that uh that are professionals that study wildlife that are paid for by hunters and taxpayers to study the environment to then relay that information to the state fishing game agency and then as a group they make a decision on how many of what wildlife needs to be removed to keep a balanced ecosystem yeah how to effectively manage a a resource exactly that that users and non-users mutually enjoy so we exactly and so we are being asked as hunters by a wildlife scientist you know they always like to say believe the science right exactly that's the hot that's the hot political right that's hot topic right now follow the science so we're being asked by the scientist to remove x amount of game in order to keep a balanced ecosystem and and a healthy ecosystem and and when you explain it to them like that they're like oh wow i thought i thought you just went and bought a gun and went and murdered things right and you know so don't back away from it because we're not doing anything wrong but explain it to them how how the system works and why it works that way and a lot of times that anti-hunter now they might not pick up a gun and go hunting, but now they understand hunting. Well, you, you said something earlier. You called it, I think you called it an unnecessary fight. Yep. You know, why why create the fight? Right. And, and people, again, this is the ego part. You get, you get people to say, you know, I'm not backing down from this. This is, well, Sun Tzu, in the art of war, we used this in a different analogy yesterday, the ultimate form of warfare is to subdue your enemy without fighting right so if we can if we can represent ourselves in a way that is tasteful that the the largest part of our our public out here that's that's making decisions for the future of us because that's what we do in a republic a a democratic republic is about 85 to 90 percent non-hunters they don't care if shorty gorm and chris powell are out here running a bobcat Right. But if I misrepresent that, 
in a way that it turns it ugly, mm-hmm. then they're going to have a problem with it. Exactly. So there is a way to subdue our enemy without fighting, just like Sun Tzu wrote, by just having a little bit of sense and being tasteful and painting this thing as a beautiful thing. You know, uh, f- look at how some of the, the, the Instagram social media people are posting like Jared Moss and and see how they're representing our lifestyle and then then copy that. Yep. It's not hard. No, it it's not. It's it's not. It's just put a little thought before you before you push that post button. Put a little thought into it and and just ask yourself if you were uh if you were somebody that was maybe on the fence about hunting, how would you how would you view that post? So so this is this is what I another analogy and you know are you making that post because you need need it right or because our lifestyle needs it right you know that's that's the question you need to ask yourself are you posting this to feed your ego are you posting this to show the benefits and to preserve protect and promote the lifestyle that we enjoy because because that should be a question in everybody's mind when they're posting hunting photos on there uh, if if you need it to show it to justify who you are, then you're probably you probably have the wrong motivations, you right. know. And that's that's just about that's just that's just common sense. Exactly. exactly. But that's what we do. We we talk about some of these simple issues that that need a little more dialogue put to them. Yep. Yep. And I'm and I'm again a fan of posting stuff. Let's let's all do it. Let's because. Yep. That's what's going to preserve. We can't hide. Nope. Nobody's saying hide. Nope. Nope. And don't back down, but just just uh, be tasteful and, and get our message out there. Yeah. And uh, and open people's eyes, you know. And you might get somebody might see a really cool picture of a you know beautiful animal and a beautiful backdrop, and and that and you might spark their interest in hound hunting, you know. Uh, but a tasteless one's not going to spark their interest. In exactly. It. And I've seen several. I've posted photos and be like, man, I'd love to see that. You know, I'd yep. love to be able to see, I've never, I've always wanted to see a mountain lion up close. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they get amazed that, that we get so close. Right. Yep. Um, they may never be a houndsman. Right. But, you, but, but they're not going to vote against you. Exactly. When there's a ballot initiative in your state, you take them out there, you show them, you explain to them, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, the first question I always get get asked when I come back from a hunt like this is, "Oh, you treat you treat three mountain lions? Yeah. Did you shoot one? Right. Like, with my camera? Yeah. You know, I've shot. I went mountain lion hunting the first time in 1993, and I don't know how many days in the field. Not not as many as people that live in the West, but I've spent a lot of time in the field and, and looked at a lot of tree lines, and I've shot one lion yeah and and not that not that there's anything wrong with taking mountain lions sometimes we as houndsmen we go the other way right and 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 don't you take raccoons at home for instance there are a lot of raccoons right we're actually not taking enough raccoons right out of the off the landscape because as houndsmen we want more game to run yeah we want more game to run and and so we don't take them because we want to be able to run a coon the next night but in the long run you get 
distemper running through them. You get yep. raccoon roundworm. You get all this stuff. So we can go both ways on this. But as long as harvest objectives are being met, you know, but, but getting back to the point, you take that person out there and you show them that, hey, this is really about this lifestyle, running hounds, training hounds, raising hounds, you know, just just the parts of being in the mountains when nobody else is out there, you know, it's all part of it, and you show them the beauty of that, then on it, when there's a ballot initiative, they're not going to vote against you because you've shown them the good parts of it. Houndsman XP is very proud of our partnership with the organization Freedom Hunters. Freedom Hunters is a nonprofit organization that takes America's veterans hunting from field to field, from the battlefield to a field near you when you volunteer your time to take America's warriors hunting with you and your hounds. It's easy. Go to houndsmanxp.com, click on the partnership tab, and it will take you to Freedom Hunters. You can go direct to their website to make donations at freedomhunters.org. Support America's heroes. Let's pay it back. Visit Freedom Hunters at freedomhunters.org or go to houndsmanxp.com and you can find them on our website from field to field. Yep. And so you brought up a good point. Um, and that's a harvest, harvest objective. And so let's go the other way for just a minute. If we are not reaching the harvest objective which is set by the game and fish department and the wildlife biologists then we're no longer an asset to the game and fish department so they're not going to back us up so we have to play that balance where you know we don't need to take everything but we need to we need to hit or get real close to hitting the harvest objective or we're not an asset and and they're not going to back us up in the end so it is a it is a balancing game, and we do have a responsibility to 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 um, help them meet their goals. Exactly, because that's what's going to keep the um, the balance of the ecosystem is we got to meet the goals. You know, when you really look at it, um, if houndsmen aren't aren't helping reach those goals, those harvest harvest objectives then then why keep it exactly you know because um if it's if there's another more effective way that's going to use that's going to cause less user conflict yep between an elk hunter and a houndsman or a deer hunter and a houndsman or whatever it is then then government is going to always take the path of least resistance right and it doesn't matter if there was five calls or 500 calls last year in Indiana about, uh, or, or in any state about user conflicts, a, a, a houndsman being where he's not supposed to be or whatever. But if the juice is worth the squeeze, then then they're going to keep backing it. Right. Exactly. That's why it's As important. long as we do our part. You know, as long as we're not out there shooting holes in our own boat. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the other, like, if I'm driving down the road and I see a game warden, uh, a lot of people will, you know, dodge them or whatever. I stop and talk to them, and I'll ask them. You know, if I'm, if I don't I'm, like them. If I'm, yeah, well, you've had bad experience with, <laughs> with them. 
having to look one in the face every day. You, you better believe I've, yeah. I've had some real bad experiences <laughs> with them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'll ask them just, hey, is there anywhere, you know, they know what you're doing. Uh, is there anywhere you guys uh, have been seeing some sign that you need animals removed from? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times they don't they don't tell you, but uh, but they appreciate you asking, you know. And no, we don't. So yeah, we don't want to talk to you. Right. We just want to put our time in and go home, collect that check. That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, but no, it's it's easy to do your part. For sure. It's hard to be an outlaw. You know, Josh. Josh that's right. It really is. Yeah. I mean, that's an uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no rest. Unnecessary yeah. stress. Yeah. You know, Josh McKellis treaded on some pretty sacred ground uh, in the podcast he was on, Josh McKellis with Big Show Game Calls. And he said this. He said, and I'll get your opinion on it, houndsmen have, need to do a better job of policing their own ranks. And he, he, he put it in this context. You know, when some got when somebody goes out and poaches a big deer or a big elk, they're the first ones to to pipe up. Yep. You know, because deer hunters look at it like, man, you have just robbed right. us. You've yep. robbed the whole hunting public from that experience when you decided to shine that deer at night or, or shoot it from you know, shoot it from the truck or whatever whatever made it illegal. Right. What's your opinion on that as it applies to houndsmen? I agree. I agree. You know, um, it's, uh, I think, you know, we all need to follow the rules or, 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 or the bad light gets shined on all of us together. And if, if I'm not, I'm not going to let you rob me of something that I love doing because you want to do it the wrong way. Right. And so. Yeah, you know, if I see if I see you doing something wrong, um, unethical, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think I'm afraid to report it. You know, it's it's. it's I'm gonna uh, confront you first. Sure. I'm say hey. Sure. But this and if is, you're this gonna be ignorant, my, then then th- yeah. This was always always my take on thing, and I did it with raising kids. You know, our rule at home is if you're gonna be stupid, you better be tough. That's right. And um, same thing goes when we come out here and hunt. If you're going to be stupid, there's consequences for every action. Every every decision you make, there is consequences for it. They can be good. They can be bad. And and when you make a conscious decision to step outside, we got another track going. Yeah. Uh, when you make that conscious decision to step outside then you have the responsibility to deal with the consequences. And and we don't want to say, say I don't want to give the message that I think, I know that there, I've been involved in the rules-making processes for, you know, what's legal and what's not legal with hunting for my whole adult life. And I am not going to try to tell everybody that everyone is made on the with the best intentions or that it's a good decision. You know, I was never a company man that thought, "Oh yeah, this is the best thing for you." No, right. it, it may not be. Right. But but 
that's where we need to get involved to make the changes. Be the positive change that you want to see. Just be deciding that you're going to go completely rogue and do whatever you want, that's anarchy. Right. That, that goes again. Houndsmen are the most patriotic people in the world. Uh, we see it. We see it with our involvement with freedom hunters. We've seen it with my whole adult life. You play the, the you still play the national anthem at the big events. You still say prayers at the national events, and anarchy goes against every bit of that. Right. So you can't be a patriot right. and an anarchist. If right. you're a patriot, you believe in the democratic republic system that we have, and you work to be the positive change that you want to see. Right. You may have to give up a couple days of hunting a year. You may have to you may have to get involved with your your hound organization that's writ, run you know the president's a guy that 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 you don't don't really like. Right. But if it can, if you can be a benefit, you've got to get involved and and so that's the the counter argument to you know those those fish and wildlife rules aren't fair. Well, then work to change them. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, and don't just throw the throw it all out the window and go do your own thing, um, because uh, that's not that's not good for anybody in the end. And and the more of a headache you cause the the fishing game, the the less backup that we're gonna have as a as hound hunters um, from from them. You know the hottest the hottest determination for making fish and wildlife rules it's in the top three if not number one when when they're dealing managing wildlife then one of the hottest issues that that the wildlife agencies and the professionals that manage it look at for wildlife is uh human wildlife conflict right okay so take something as easy as a raccoon how many how many complaints are we getting from residential landowners about raccoons? Right. Are they are they high? Are they low? You know, coyotes in suburb suburbs. You know, are they high? Are they low? Because they still have to answer to the public. Mm -hmm. When it comes to hunters, one of the top top th things that they look at for deciding what is going to be legal and what's not legal is user conflict right you know are you are is this causing more of a problem than what it's really worth right yep and that's that's easily avoidable Just yes do the right thing like yep. you know and that's 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 where we're at is it's it's the rules are there for a reason if you don't like them get involved to, in changing them mm -hmm. that's yep. simple as that we got on the soapbox there yeah we did but I like it. It's all, you know, important information that people need to know. And, you know, and, and back to policing ourselves. I Yeah, we do need to police ourselves. You know, it's... it's. Uh, I see a lot more of it. I really do. You know, and we, we talk a lot about the negatives of social media on, you know, right. probably spend too much time talking about it. But I'm seeing more and more people... When something is posted, there's a lot more awareness out there in our in our hunting public and yep. our houndsmen these days, because I'll see people call them out mm -hmm. and say, "You need to take this down right right now. Right, do not post this." Um, 
I know people that, that have contacted me and said, hey, you know, I sent this person a private message, or have you seen this? Right. And, you know, uh, so we are doing a much better job. People, it's start, the light bulb's starting to come on, and I think our podcast of not being afraid to, to, to talk about things like this um, have helped shed a light on that, really, mm-hmm. to some extent, you know. No, I agree, and, in, 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 you know, it's... it's uh the uh growing up you, you i remember it was always don't be a snitch don't be a snitch snitches you know, get stitches yeah exactly you know well well i don't i don't agree with that completely you know yeah you don't want to just run around trying to tattletale on on every little thing that goes wrong but if you right. see something that's going to cause an and issue law, enf- law enforcement doesn't want that either right you know we i knew the guys that were crying wolf yeah Exactly, and and a lot of it was self motivated. A lot of it was mm-hmm. they were they were trying to eliminate their hunting competition out there right. by, and some of it was, uh, hey, this so and so's doing this over here because what was really happening is they wanted my attention over here so they could do something. Right. Over here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little distract. Yeah, a little distraction technique. Yeah, but yeah, even law enforcement doesn't want a bunch of tattletales out here. Right. I, I'm much better about when I was working, having the hunting public resolve some of your own issues. Here. Mm-hmm. You know, a great example of that is the the landowner conflicts, you know. Right. Starting about mid-September, you know, people are starting to get out in the woods, hang their tree stands and stuff at home, and, and uh, guys are walking through the woods, and, and they look up and they see a tree stand that's, 10 yards on the other side of the property line and you get the call this call start coming it's like my neighbor's got a tree stand on his 10 yards off the property line and it's facing my way i know he's going to shoot a deer on me right and my first response was always have you talked to your neighbor about this mm-hmm. well no i'm not talking to him that's your job i want you to go talk to him and i just tell him i'm i, I am not coming and talking to your neighbor about something that's not illegal right you two need to work this out this is not a law enforcement issue this is a neighbor issue and if you've got a problem with it then man up sack up you know take a six pack of beer or whatever up there and sit down and get to know your neighbor and and work this out i totally agree yeah you know that's as soon as you started talking about words i was like okay nothing's illegal yet (laughs) right right and and a lot of times that's that's what it really boils down to. Somebody just doesn't like the way somebody else is doing something. So yep. So they 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 want to cause problems. But. Yep. And that happens a lot of times uh, in the hound hunting world. If you're the guy catching all the game, you got to be doing something illegal. They're gonna tell on you. You know, and and it's not always the case. The guy just might be out hunting you. There's you no know. doubt. It's like the guy that goes to the night hunt all the time. I used to. It, you know, competition, night coonhound events. There was always, I knew those guys that every time they came in from a cast, they got cheated. Well, we got cheated. Yeah, right. I got cheated. No, maybe you just got beat by a better dog. Mm -hmm. Most of the time that was the case. Yep. Or, and, and not only that, but maybe you, you got out handled by the, the other handlers because they know the rules better because they know how to, they've invested a lot in playing this game. So, 
it's not always you're not always getting cheated. Sometimes you just get outperformed. Right. Right. <laughs> yep. No, and I I've actually become friends with a, a fellow houndsman, and and when I first heard of him, um, I was hunting in his area, and and I heard nothing but bad things about him. And uh, anyhow, uh, come to find out. He was just catching all the game, and everybody was jealous and mad at him. And he's a really good guy. Yeah. Uh, we've become good friends, you know. And so uh, you get get a little bit of that of that too. What are we doing out there on this track, Shorty? Well, it's pretty cold track right now. I've only got two dogs open, and they're the coldest nosed dogs that I've got. And uh, is that Sparkles? Yeah, Sparkles and Rita. Rita was the one you heard barking at first. And so just kind of giving them some time to try to work it out, try to try to get it moving. Um, it can go from slow like this to full steam at any second. You never know. Yep, get a jump, it's on. Yep, yep. So these uh, these cats this time of year, um, we're starting to have kittens, and so um, I was talking about that track earlier, going in a in a hole. Uh, they're not getting far away from the den right now, are no, they? No, they're not. You know, and and you can usually tell. Uh, like I think we we started actually started the track where where it was hold, and uh, and my dogs aren't aren't you know hole locating dogs and uh there i do know of some people that that have had dogs that are really good about it but but we were actually taking that track backwards and it finally just petered out but um but a lot of times when they when they if you get them jumped and and they're going to a hole boy it's just a straight it's just a beeline right for that hole so you kind of get to where you know your dogs roll out after they after they hole one and they just keep rolling. Yeah, they'll go and they'll look around for a little while, and yeah. then and then they they just come on out. So you know the hazards to that. I had a I did a hound that uh, it was a fourteen inch fourteen inch drain pipe coming off a pond. Mm -hmm. It was about uh, I'm gonna say it's probably about sixty to seventy yards long wow went down the went down the the dam of the pond and it was just the overflow for the pond right next day i was out there with the backhoe digging up the uh digging up the the overflow pipe so i could get my hound out of there so there are some hazards Ooh. especially in a lot of bulldoze areas and stuff like that and that's why a lot of a lot of coon hunters and stuff uh break their dogs off of staying in a hole um you know bulldozer piles are horrible Right. There's so many yeah. gaps and voids in there. Yep. And then once your hound gets in there, they'll keep wedging themselves in. Yeah. And uh, I know some people have, have n never recovered their hounds right. out of them. Right. You know, and then other people that spent a lot of money on a on a, a track hoe to come in there, an excavator to come in there and dismantle that, right. that bulldozer pile to be able to get their dog out. And then you're talking... You're talking big expense at that point. Yeah, we've got we'll have quite a few of those brush piles, and those and those cats will have kittens in mm -hmm. in those brush piles down here too. 
so it's not always a bad thing that your your hem won't you know stay in a hole or yeah yeah and you know and it just kind of depends if if they're not in a hole you know the you could tell them dogs just they just keep hunting and hunting and hunting until they get that track out of there but if they just go and hit that spot and and uh it's it's like they know they figured it out they've done it enough times that that uh you know it's smart dog yeah and, and there's no reward here for me and i i walk in there you know not not so much anymore but uh um if i ever wonder i i walk in there and make sure i'm finding finding holes you're not necessarily going to find the hole but but there'll be holes in that area mm-hmm. and and i make sure i find them just to make sure my dogs are being honest and and not screwing up and just you know making a lose and quitting because um, i definitely don't want that but uh you know that's one of the things that's cool about a houndsman i've heard i've heard non-houndsmen say even give credit to the, to the good houndsman and say these guys really are more in touch with what's going on than any other group of of user group out there honey yep um think about all the things we got to know mm-hmm. you know as a as a hound you got to know the game you're chasing you got to know the habits you got to know movement patterns you got to know feeding patterns you got to know breeding patterns you got to know all of this stuff then you got to know where stuff is at you know walking in there and finding that hole now you've got the experience that oh yeah okay i know what my dogs did right there because i know there's a den in there yep yeah, and I'll mark them if yep. I know them. You know, I'll mark them on my. And so, so we're getting in touch. I mean, honestly, down in this country, deer hunters aren't walking through that brush. No, unless no. they unless they shoot a deer and they have to recover a deer. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I and on on that being in touch and and uh, back to the hunter challenges that we get from anti hunters. One time I. I did something, and and some of you guys might find it pretty cool. I just went to a truck stop, and I bought a log book, trucker's log. Yeah. And I filled it out every day, and I filled it out when I went down to the to the kennels and and you know fed, clean pens, everything I did that involved the hounds. I filled it out, and I and I logged my hours, mm-hmm. and I don't remember exactly what they were, but totaled them up at the end of the year, and it's mind-boggling how many hours were were doing something with hound hunting and and any other uh hunting group they can't touch it they can't come close i don't care how much they practice their bow hunting um target shooting or or whatever it doesn't come anywhere compared to to the amount of time that we spend um hunting so when somebody says it's uh, hound hunting is unethical. You know, you just turn the hounds loose and go catch an animal. You can actually tell them, you know, how many hours, and you can also keep track of your dollars on that thing too. You know, that <laughs> that might get a little scary for some people, but you know how many hours I spent. I wouldn't want my this wife year? to find the log book. No, hide it. Yeah, yeah. If I was tracking the dollars. Right. Right. Yep. No, it's it's interesting. Um, it was something fun fun for me to do, but. Uh, but it does take dedication. It's easy to just get in a routine and forget to fill it out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like that old saying: if you if you ever want to become a millionaire as a houndsman, start out as a billionaire. That's right. You'll get there pretty quick. That's right. Yep. 
Yeah, and and just even among, uh, it's a good way to talk to to other hunting hunting groups too, mm -hmm. because we do. There's a lot of other hunting groups. Deer hunters get a lot of lot of uh, negative press from the hound hunting community. They've earned a lot of it. They've earned some of it. We've helped them. We've helped them in some ways, but you know they'll even say that that hunting's not ethical or no, hound hunting's not not fair. It's too easy. Right. And when I look at this ranch, I know for sure that when we walk into those trees in this brush country and we put the time in out here, I mean, a deer hunter is riding from that bunkhouse right. in that mini truck out here and climbing up and sitting on a feeder and shooting a deer. And we're not trying to say that's not that's wrong. Go for it, man. That's yep. a big – It's like you said yesterday, you know, these deer have made a lot of sorry ranchers successful. Well, how do you put that? Yeah. Uh, a kid asked his grandpa why we were spending so much time and money on these sorry uh, deer. And, and that old-timer old told him, said, son, these sorry deer saved a lot of sorry-ass South Texas ranches. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, and it's true. But And I, you know, I would support every – Every method of hunting, whether you're deer hunter, turkey hunter, trapper, uh, whatever, because if we don't, if we go against one form of hunting, we're no better than the antis because we're helping them to take one method of hunting, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to knock you down one at a time. You know, they're not going to come at all of us full steam ahead. They're going to come at no. the weakest one. The one that other other hunters don't support, and they're going to take them, and then the next, and then the next, and then the next, till it's all gone. So it's very important that we, you know, we support that that deer hunter, uh, turkey hunter, rabbit hunter, whatever, just as much as as we support our own. You know, everybody's always looking for the shortcut, shorty. I mean, it's just uh, it's trying to find that magic silver bullet and there just isn't one when you're dealing with with emotional feelings that want to stop what we're doing um yep there just there just isn't it's a it's a complicated thing and and that's been a really neat thing a really rewarding thing in creating this podcast is being able to take people's viewpoints and their experience and put those all together to show how to be successful you know if you if you want to if you want to teach a young man how to do a job right show him what a good job looks like that's right and that's right. and that's been the very most rewarding part about creating this podcast um and we're closing in on a hundred of them now 250,000 downloads is where we're at right now. And that's too cool. And and we never we never thought we'd get there and we get a lot of good feedback on the podcast. Um but we would like to hear more interaction and more engagement from from our listeners. You know, if you think if you think where do they do that at? They can do that on on Instagram by direct message or off our Facebook 
page by sending us a message. Um, you can send them to our email, and uh, you can go to our website and get all our email addresses. Yours will be up there soon, and um, we we need, we really need to hear that feedback. And if you think we're we're full of crap, then tell us. Um, oh, please don't! My emotions can't handle that. <laughs> <laughs> Mine can't either, and I usually just hit the delete button. Yeah, but right. uh, no, seriously. Uh, ask us questions. You know, there's a lot of experience in our team. And we have exposure to people. We have access to people that can get the the right answers. Yeah, if we don't have them. the answer, we'll find it. Yeah, and and if we can't find it, we'll just make one up. Not really. <laughs> uh, now you sound like a true houndsman. <laughs> yeah, we're going to strive to give. We're, I think. I think adding you to the team. You know, we have increased our our um, experience. Um, Not all good. Not broadened broadened our base a little bit with, uh, you know, the way you hunt down here is completely different than than uh, what many houndsmen have ever experienced, and so it gives you a different perspective. The people that that you know down in this country that are hunting can help add to that and every time we do that we're adding a block to our foundation right. you know we're, we're strengthening our foundation of of experience and exposure and and getting some different ideas and it's all it's going to be a good thing i sure hope so you know and, and luckily uh luckily through through my career as as a bullfighter i've got to meet a lot of people and and uh a lot of connections so Hopefully, I can bring a a good solid amount of knowledgeable um, houndsmen, and and it, it's been cool. And you're probably thinking, how the heck do you, you know, meet houndsmen as a bullfighter? Well, uh, a lot of times I'll be at an event, and somebody will come introduce herself and and you know, hey, I'm a fellow houndsman. I you know I hunt rabbits over here, or I'm a coon hunter from over here, or or whatever you know, and and yeah. uh, so it it's been really cool and and looking forward to to trying to bring some good good content to to the podcast and and hopefully um entertain the ones that already know it all and teach the young ones that don't know uh everything yet a little bit about being successful and and have fun all at the same time man that sounds great i'm I'm looking forward to it I think we're gonna we're going to have a lot of fun doing it one way or another. Absolutely. Definitely. That's, that's the most, when it's not fun anymore, it's not rewarding. any. it's not always, always, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. There's some weeks where I, the last thing I want to do is sit down and put a show together. Um, and, um, but it is rewarding. Definitely. So Shorty. Let's wrap this one up and let's go catch a bobcat. Let's see what Sparkles and Reader are still out there working on this track. Yeah, it's pretty cold. I don't think they're going to get it anywhere. We're going to go on go on to another one. But uh, one of the things before we end, uh, and I'm going to ask you the question. One thing that I, and I know I've already told you, uh, but one of the questions I want to ask every 
everybody on the on the podcast is what's the best piece of advice that you've ever got about hound hunting mm-hmm. besides don't get into it right yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, the pet best piece of advice has probably come from older houndsmen is to slow down slow down you know i've found in my life in general you know it's just like it's just like that trip that i had planned that i turned around on a couple weeks ago you know if 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 i'd been full bore head hard-headed gung-ho jumping in the middle of it then man i'd have got down here and and had a miserable time and it wouldn't have worked out when you try to force things it doesn't work out so um probably slow down maybe maybe overlay that with the the old bruce lee saying be like water you know just just go with the flow you can't you're not going to run through the rock you got to figure out whether you're going to go over it around it under it um so slow down be patient and and be deliberate in what you do and and i've found that i've had i have a lot better hounds when i don't dictate when i don't put put the pups in a box uh, and when i say that i mean just to put hard rules on them by this age they should be doing this um, all my buddies say that if, if a dog's not doing this by age or a call, <clears throat> so slow down, take in all, the whole picture. It's great advice. Great advice. Slow down. You want to, you want to, uh, you want to close this out? Well, I guess I can. I have to tell the whole story. Not the whole story. All right. You can just say it. Chris. I got my hands on the ground. We're out here bobcat hunting, and uh, uh, we got one of yours back at camp. We're going to get him out a little bit later. but We got two of mine back at camp. Two of yours. One's got a bum wheel on him right now. Right. Letting that foot heal up. So, uh, anyways, when these dogs strike track and cut off through this brush, you follow your hands, and I'll follow mine. That's going to be a good deal. That means I'm not going to have to walk through the brush this morning. Until I get my hounds out of here, Shorty. I'm not going to this afternoon when we get yours out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good deal. Thanks, Shorty. Adios.